What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We've got them in sight. Hold on. Mask will be right back. Hello, hello. This is Salem Blood. And this is a uh, video mail or voicemail to uh, Mask Mayhem. Yes, uh, one thing... The uh, penetrator mode was used once before episode uh, 11, and that was in episode 4 at the uh, halfway mark where uh, Buddy Hawks uh, had cornered uh, a Sly Rex by the uh, Seismograph Institute, and when uh, Sly Rex used his stilettos, Buddy Hawks turned on his penetrator mode to allow the uh, darts to pass right through him. So yes, this isn't the first time we've seen the uh, so-called penetrator mode. And it is a mask ability, not a vehicle ability. No, uh, Firecracker does not have penetrator mode as its ability. It's only the mask ability. He used Firecracker's generator in order to get himself to and from uh, Matt Tracker. So no, that is not an ability of the Firecracker vehicle. So please don't get that things like that mixed up. It was even stated in the clip that you played where uh, Bruce Sato said that he could use Firecracker's generator to sustain the uh, power of his mask and his mass penetrator ability. How can you miss that? Wow. Anyway, I'm enjoying your uh, podcast so much. Gives me a good reason to uh, review the Go Through Mask. I remember watching as a little girl. I guess that makes me a cartoon tomboy. <laughs> but yes, uh, I love Mask. Mostly, yeah, because it uh, it followed Jim and the holograms, but what I'm now noticing is the thing that Gemini Holograms uh, fulfilled that I'm now so missing is the romance element. There is no romance in Mask. Really, no romance at all. So there's no gem to fill out the romance quota, which I am sorely missing right now. Maybe Robot Chicken had it right that Matt Tracker is a chubby chaser. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know why people are so hating on Scott Tracker. He wasn't as, he's not as annoying as people pass him off to be, but well, at least he's not Chin Chin from Speed Racer. <laughs> that is one annoying kid. Anyway, I'm looking forward to your other the other episodes and uh, and your analysis on it. Keep up the good work. This has been Salem Blood, and I'll talk to you later. Mask? No, I don't know anyone named Mask. I used to know somebody named Marvin, but he doesn't live around here. Hello, hello. 
this is Salem Blood, and this voicemail is for the Masked Mayhem Podcast. Yes, uh, this is for episode, uh, Masked Episode 12, where we, uh, for the first time, they start reusing the uh, um, mask uh, call uh, animations. Uh, especially for Dusty, who we see that pizza floor drop again, and for uh, for the rock star who uh, uh, who just drops his uh, guitar during his practice session and leaves to join the crew. Uh, also, it's quite obvious that. Uh, I'm just looking through the names right now. We see Gloria Baker. Then Hondo. Yeah, that's it. Hondo McLean is quite obviously a college professor. That's how he's able to just leave in the middle of class. Hell, I've had a I had college professor just leave because they had appointments to go to. Also, how he can just call the class dismissed because, well, they're college students. They're going to hang around the student union probably afterwards or just go home. So, yes, uh, Hondo is a college professor, not a high school teacher or a middle school teacher. No, he's obviously uh, college. So that's uh, my uh, thought, my beginning thoughts on episode 12. It, uh, the, uh, Reusing of the uh, call animation is also happens in 18, but that's still uh, far from here. Oh, God, and I just finished watching 18. That, you're in for the most stupidest episode of the entire series. But again, that's still far from here. Hope to hear you soon. This has been Salem Blood, and I'll talk to you later. Hello, hello, this is Salem Blood, and I am leaving a voice message for the Masked Mayhem podcast. Yes, uh, this is for, I think, episode 13. Uh, let me double check. I believe that is the one where uh, they run into the giant caterpillars. Oh, exciting. How exciting that is. Anyways... <laughs> Going through my history. I am shocked that you're still having trouble with the Venom vehicles. Yeah, episode 13, Creeping Terror, is, uh, is the, uh, episode with the ending that I still cannot shake. Okay, I watched this, these shows as a child. I guess that makes me a tomboy cartoon-wise. But I did greatly enjoy Mask, and I did have two of the toys, and that is uh, Vanessa Warfield's Manta and the Rhino. Now, Manta is my most favorite of the Venom vehicles. It had a lot better conversion from car to jet than Thunderhawk. Thunderhawk just opens its doors, and the tail... Spoiler just rises up. What kind of conversion is that? He just opens his doors and... They're wings! Ah. 
not conducive to modern avionics when it comes to a wing foil shape. There's no way wings that small can fly an entire car. The wings would have to be larger, like Vanessa Warfield's vehicle Manta. The wings fold out from underneath the car, then fold out again to be even longer, and even has supporting wings in the front wheels of the car to add that extra lift. That makes much more sense to me than Thunderhawk. Manta is a much more superior vehicle than the Thunderhawk. <laughs> anyway, yes, and uh, you keep on saying that bike or that motorcycle that Sly Rex is driving, it is called Piranha because it is a submarine. Why sometimes it seems to glide over land, I do not know. But it's definitely called the Piranha. Uh, you know Switchblade? You keep talking about Switchblade. Switchblade is cool. I got to handle Switchblade as a toy with my uh, neighbor. Yes, my neighbor was a boy. He had nearly every mass vehicle. And, of course, I did all the girl parts when playing with him. Not only was I Vanessa, but I was the Baroness, I was Lady J. Yeah, I'm talking G.I. Joe, too. <laughs> and no, he didn't have any Transformers. I had Transformers, though, growing up. That was cool. <laughs> and, of course, the uh, SUV, or the uh, one that Cliff Dagger drive, drives, is called the Jackhammer. And yes, I can understand why, because they barely say the names of their own vehicles. As for how they masks power up, well, Venom is, as I understand it, is using a power source that's kind of harmful to the wearer. But do they care? No. At least uh, Matt Tracker puts rechargeable batteries in the mask of his crew, but they're limited. Very limited. As for Venom, I don't know, is it nuclear batteries that, nuclear what is harmful? Is it nuclear batteries inside their masks on whatever they're using? I'm told that it's not very healthy for the wearers at all. But, I digress. Yes, so remember, the villain's vehicles are the Switchblade, the Piranha, that's the motorcycle sidecar, and the jackhammer, Vanessa Warfield's Manta. So this has been my voicemail. How in the world can Kevin... Now watch what Mask does. Well, thank you, Salem, for that voicemail. Actually, Salem's voicemail was three different clips. Uh, episode 12 and episode 13, where she was talking about that, there is apparently a five-minute time limit on the site, geekcastradio.com voicemail thing. So for future reference for any Mask Mayhem listeners... Uh, Five minutes is the limit, so keep your thoughts precise, concise, and to the point. Uh, as far as us replying to Salem, you're ragging us, on us for misspeaking about Penetrator? Wow, really? I mean, yes, we know that they're mask abilities, but we, just because we misspoke one line. Holy crap. Where's an English professor when you really need one? 
I actually, I think I actually thought it was somehow connected to the vehicle because I never saw anything besides the vehicle use it. I think the only reason why we you might have thought that is because they used uh, Firecracker's generator to... Right, but I'm just saying every time I've seen it used, it's the car. Oh, no, I guess, I guess I've seen it once with a person now. Never mind. I take yeah. it back. I just yeah. don't pay attention enough. Yeah. There's too many uh, episodes blending together. Yeah, that's true. I, I did want to respond to a couple of things, too. Um, no, it's fine. I, I still question whether Hondo is a college professor or not. Hondo is not a college professor. There's no way. I've seen the desks of his students in that episode. Those are high school or middle school desks. There's I'm pretty no- sure they showed students in the one the one couple scenes, and they were not yeah. college age. Yeah, I mean, no, if, if we're if they're if they're supposed to be, if there's some type of uh, source out there that claims that he is, that's legit source, then it's just really bad animation because that completely looks like a high school classroom. Yeah, I've been a teacher. And I've been to college, and that does not look like a college room whatsoever. Not at all. Um, um, and I, I, I do know that I'm terrible at the vehicle names um, because I never had any of the toys, and I have no connection to the names to the vehicles. So unless they use the names in the episodes, I am not going to know the names. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I was – you know, she was saying in, in, in her voicemail about what Vanessa's vehicle is. So far, we've only seen Vanessa in her vehicle maybe once – maybe one, one and a half, two times, and her, the vehicle's name to, the, to this point, or to the point of since since episode 12 and episode 13, has not been named yet. So um, I actually... We haven't, seen, we haven't seen her yeah. vehicle at all, I don't think, until this point. No, we've seen it. She was in it um, in one of the earlier episodes, huh. the episode when she was taking the pictures. Remember when she was taking the pictures over the top of the, the ruins? Oh, I'm thinking of a different vehicle then. We haven't seen her car yet. Right. We haven't... We've seen Vanessa's... We've seen Manta, but oh, okay. briefly. It's okay. She was flying in it... Oh, in, okay, gotcha. In, ...in the Arrowhead episode when she was taking the pictures overhead. Yeah. But, I mean, I, the, the, I guess the point is for... Not just um, right. this voicemail, but for anybody who's leaving voicemails or whatnot, um, we are not mask ex- experts. No. We have not watched masks since we were kids. Yes. We are rewatching these episodes for the first time since we were eight, seven, nine, eight, ten, whatever yeah. years old. So yeah. we are by no means mass experts. You know, we are experts in a lot of other cartoons. <laughs> Mask is not one of them. We are learning as we're watching. So that's why you're going to see some stuff where if you're a big fan of it, you're probably going to be like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Well, occasionally we're learning as we're going. Yes. And the only other thing I'm going to respond to Salem about is um... – uh, she wants there to be romance in Mask. No, there's no, 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 no. There's no room for romance in Mask. And she's no. like, oh, I miss the romance like Jem had. That's what Jem was for. That's why they ran those back. Right, right. Okay, that's true. But, you know, Jem had cheating, lying. <laughs> Jem was a cartoon soap opera. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, you know. No, no room I, for romance in boys' action cartoons. That's right. So, um, But I do appreciate that she's listening, that she's uh, enjoying it, and that she's leaving us feedback. So everybody else yes. should also leave feedback. Yes, and if you're going to use the site voicemail, remember, there's a five-minute time limit. That's also now, stuff we're learning. <laughs> now, on with the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> 
is Optimus Solo, and welcome to the Mayhem. This is Mass Mayhem, Episode 7, and with me as always is my Thunderhawk co-pilot, TFG1, Mike. Hello. Hello. Um, in this episode of Mass Mayhem, we'll be giving you our thoughts on Episode 15, The Scepter of Regime, Episode 16, The Golden Goddess, and Episode 17, Mystery of the Rings. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to throw a couple disclaimers out there, because it's just stuff I was thinking about as I was watching episodes for this uh, week. Just so the viewers know, um, Mike and I do not discuss any of these episodes before we start recording. Um, we know nothing about what each other's opinions are going to be. We know nothing about what points you know are in our high beams and low beams or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that that's something we've never really mentioned. Right, um, but right. none of this is rehearsed. None of this is talked about. I have no idea if he's going to like an episode or dislike an episode before we start recording it. So, right. um, I think that also kind of plays into the fact that if we're both saying a, an episode's awful, it's completely independent. You know, us independently coming up with that right. opinion, and I think right. it makes it even stronger if we both hate an episode because we are not knowing that we're going to each hate it or each like it. Yes. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up actually came out of Salem's voicemail that we kind of already responded to, but I kind of forgot to bring this up. Uh, she was saying about um, the mispronunciation or misuse of, of what Penetrator was, and she was like, oh, well, it was even in the clip that you played. We don't, I don't, even in editing, I do not listen to the clips, the audio clips that Kevin sends me to edit into the show. I do not listen to them until the show is a final product. I make sure, I listen to them to make sure that the audio is clear and concise and lines up correctly with the rest of the episode, but I don't go through and listen to every single audio clip from the show that Kevin sends me. So, That's all me. No, I know, but what <laughs> I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not blaming you, I'm just saying that I don't listen to the clips i just like okay this is this is the plot clip this is the high beam clip this is the low beam clip this is where i need to place them and i listen to our actual episode discussion to make sure that there are no errors in that but i don't listen to the There's way too much besides this behind the scenes information I'm i know but I'm, I'm just getting well we already mentioned it anyway so why the hell not you know i'm just getting this out of the way now you know so yeah this is a very you know not spur of the moment obviously we do do our research um, but it's completely independent, and then it's kind of right. a spontaneous discussion. So right. exactly. just wanted to clear that up. Yes. So, on that note, it's time for you guys to buckle up and enjoy the ride. So, Mass thinks they've beaten me, do they? I want that scepter. You want me to take it, Mayhem? Yes. With that scepter, I can steal the world's greatest treasures by neutralizing the radioactive elements in their security systems. All computer surveillance equipment will be useless against me. So starting off today is episode 15, The Scepter of Rajin. Um, And first for our plot synopsis, we start finding the group in India. Uh, They're dedicating a tiger preserve or doing some type of philanthropy work with the tiger preserve, etc. And we're immediately alerted to that venom is in the area and uh, they're up to no good. And then we see this annual like light show, which turns out to be like a light show of radiation that's going on. And there's some question as to... What is in, what? What? Why is that happening? And, and et cetera. So Matt goes to investigate with some native uh, guides, I guess we can call them, which turns out to discover that there is not only a legendary lost city, but our guides are lost now because they disappear. So there's some mysterious stuff going on here. Um, while Matt's investigating, Venom kind of uh, comes by and attacks him, for lack of a better term. 
Uh, Matt survives that and assembles the team, and we have our first Mask Venom showdown as they fight each other. Yes. Uh, in the process of that, and kind of after that, Matt and Brad find the Lost City. They kind of travel through a uh, kind of a crawl space in the rocks, in the side of the mountain cliff, whatever you want to call it, as they're looking for Alex and Bruce. And they find the Lost City, and it happens that Alex and Bruce are already there as well. So they're all in there in the Lost City. Um, Venom sh- follows them into the Lost City and steals the Scepter of Regime because of its powers of... Uh, basically neutralizing radiation and some, I mean, it's kind of a vague description of what exactly it does and, and whatnot, but it's got some, some powers with radiation. It's uh, essentially supposed to neutralize any radioactive material is right. what I got out of it. Right. Um, and because Venom steals Scepter, the, the natives or the, the members of this lost city basically tell Matt that he has to return the Scepter by himself and if he doesn't, then the masked team, his friends, are doomed. Um, so Matt goes to get the scepter back. We have our second little showdown of this episode. He obviously gets the scepter back. And because he gets it back, Venom runs and returns to base for some repairs, is what Miles actually says, return to base for repair. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets to return the scepter to the Lost City. Their secret is safe. We'll get to that later. And... Um, Everybody's happy, and, and the mask team leaves the Lost City and goes back to civilization. Um, our members in this episode, we have four-on-four, four, the regular four Venom members that we've seen so far, and then we have Matt, Bruce, Alex, Sector, and, and Brad. So what is your take on the plot for the Scepter of Regime? This is not the worst episode as far as the plot goes. But it's not the best either. Um, I would say it falls in the middle. I, I do like that they are finally stating where they are or showing where they are or someone mentions it somewhere or someone will mention uh, a landmark where we would know, okay, you know, the, the the easiest thing I can come up with is, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I mean, you know, as soon as you hear those words that are, you know where – you know, right. you don't have to say Paris, France, or you know what I mean. So yeah, they tell us I, that we're in India very. Before, yeah, yeah. Early, um, early on. What I really find weird, and what I'm going to be finding weird throughout this episode is, how far does Matt's? Uh, apparently, he's a billionaire. How how far does his reach go? Because Mark Cuban far. <laughs> I mean, because we're already at this is episode in fifteen episodes of this cartoon series. We've essentially been nearly almost all over the world. I think the only places we have not been yet is like Russia and uh, and Antarctica, <laughs> Africa, and Australia. And Australia. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll get it, there. No, I know, but what I'm saying is like like how far does his reach honestly go? He is. Um, just a man of great influence. That's all you can say about that. The only other note I had about the plot was computers have radiation in them. Uh, that's I don't know. Maybe they, they do thing. use the the radiation and then they stretch it as far as they can go. Yes, they do. As far do. as what it affects and what it doesn't affect and uh, etc. Um, my thoughts on the plot for this one. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's a a decent idea to have a lost city, to have some artifact that's kind of cool, like the scepter is. Um, That's kind of classic 
uh, you know, cartoon villain scheme. Yeah. Or or even like an Indiana Jones type, uh, MacGyver type storyline where you have, you know, this kind of like fantastical um, element to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't dislike that. Um, it had potential story-wise as far as a the basis of the plot. Yeah. Um, so I don't fault the idea of the plot. Um, but I will be faulting a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily the plot's fault. It's some other people's faults. And uh, <laughs> I just don't want to say anything else because there's a time for low beams and it's not now. Yes. Uh, so are we going to the high beams then? I think we need to start off on a high note, so uh, so let's get there. There's got to be a way to use Venom's weapons against them. And I think I know how. Rax, Dagger, we must stop Matt. Now, if I can just fly low enough to get the switchblade to follow me. So it's time to turn on the high beams and be positive and happy and nice. And for that, I turn to Mike. Okay. <laughs> um, alrighty then. Gee, thanks. No problem. Alright. Okay, high beams. Uh, I like the effects with the lights because at first we don't know what they are. You know, we find out later it's a radiation light show. But I did like the sound effects and I like how the lights looked. I thought that was kind of cool. Um... When Bruce gets called, he has a robot baseball game. I thought that was kind of cool. That was kind of funny. When Alex gets called, uh, the bug crawls into the trap, so Alex is free to leave, so he doesn't have to watch the And the, the spider suffocates. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> uh, Brad is teaching kids music. That's interesting. Keep our secret and we won't make you take off your masks. Oh, uh, that's that could essentially be a low beam, but I put it in high beams because I thought it was very cool for them to write it that way versus forcing the team to remove their masks. Yeah. Um, you know the whole secret keeping thing. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, so Scott and T Bob stayed in the hotel the entire time. I find that highly suspicious. We did not see them maybe but once in this episode. I think. Um. And, you know, once is enough. <laughs> we, we saw them a couple more times. I only remembered once. Oh, I'll bring maybe, it up later. May, oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe I was enjoying it a little <laughs> bit more because I wasn't paying attention to them. But it was. It didn't seem to me like every other, like, every, you know how they, they do the scene Yeah, they breaks? weren't playing, like, the central part like they do in a couple other right. episodes. We'll talk right, about. right. And my final one was about the, uh, the, 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 the PSA in this one. The poison in the household cleaners must be labeled. That is very true. I mean, you, you have to watch, Yeah, you have to watch out for that kind of stuff. So, what about you? Do you have any any high beams? Well, see, I wanted you to go first, Mike, because I feel like I feel like there's an unfair perception that that you're negative, <laughs> and and you just rattled off a lot of positive things about this show. So let's put to rest that you're the negative one of the bunch. Um, oh, I'll be getting very negative later. But... I know, but but we are positive right. at times, and we do have good things to say, um, so it's right. not all bad. And um, I also wanted you to go first because I wanted there to be some type of segment here for the high beams. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of 
cool that T-Bob was wearing pajamas? Uh, I. That's all I got. That's <laughs> all right. Well, that's something that I'll be getting to a little bit later. Either I just thought week. it looked funny with him in pajamas. Right, and right. I know, I know. But I mean, I guess we can kind of talk about that here. It's something I'll probably be getting to later this episode or maybe next week's episode. He's a freaking robot. I don't understand why they. I mean, it's like he's a freaking beanie baby or something. They they have to dress him up, or it's oh. like you know. These 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 rich people that carry around you know dressed up dogs and purses and shit. I I, I just I just don't get it. But anyway, it's because T Bob desires to be human. Remember, Scott's always reminding T Bob that he's not he's human. Not human. So he has to do stuff like dress himself up because he has a deep desire to be human. It's like Data or you know any droid. Um, he wants yeah. to be human. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. So we're gonna move on to. It's time to get dark. Yeah. I'm sorry, Scott. The Sabia Tiger's apparently not only rare, but very shy as well. Unlike that snake mayhem. Did you say snake? Oh! Oh. Are you all right? Uh Uh-oh. According to my computer, mayhem is in this area. What's Venom doing in India, Dad? I don't know, son. But you can be sure they're not here to feed the tigers. So now we are shifting to the low beams, and because I'm such a generous and nice guy and everybody can see how nice a guy I am, I am going to be the gentleman and let you go first again with your low beams. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. Uh-huh. Sure you are. Go for it. Mr. 15 home runs in a row. Well, I, it, let's just say that, that for low beams, Mike is, is driving a, a, uh, like a moped that has one headlight. And I'm driving a semi-truck that has lots of lights. All right, so my low beams, how can Mask and the rest of the world know who Venom's members are? Uh, Oh, no. Okay, no, I I misread my note. How can Mask and the rest of the world not know who Venom's members are? Mayhem was flying around in Switchblade without his mask on. It's... We've mentioned this before in the podcast, and this is probably going to be something that plagues us to the end of the damn podcast, is that... The world at this point in the in the series should know who hasn't the hell he Miles appeared Miles on. Is. Hasn't he appeared on a television screen in one yes. of the early episodes? Yes, doing a ransom note. Everybody yep. should recognize him. He wears uh, the same outfit every episode, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, long energized sequence, and they chant again. Boo! It was a shorter energized sequence, but they chanted. No, it was the long energy. It, it, it might have one. seemed shorter, but it was the longer version because mm-hmm. the the thing came down, the table spun around, and all that happy crap. And they chanted the energize, which is the stupidest part of it. Yeah. Uh, how in the hell did Matt's own weapon take Brad out? Seriously? Because Matt went to fire it, it backfired, and. I don't remember uh, that. God, Ugh. I must have been distracted by other shitty things. And then what is this? Like the third time Switchblade has been badly damaged or nearly destroyed or almost destroyed? I mean, this has got to be three times so far in 15 episodes. Yeah, then the Thunderhawk and Switchblade do not fare well. They could be well, at lot. least they explained away Thunderhawk with a PSA replacement where they repaired it and made him a maybe, brand new... Maybe Venom, just like other bad organizations and other cartoons, have, like, uh, multiple clones of, like, bad yeah. bad guys and foot <laughs> soldiers. Maybe they have multiple clones of their vehicles. Maybe. All right, so what are your low beams? Okay, it's my turn. Um, 
First of all, I found it very unnatural and very odd in the beginning when Matt and Scott and T-Bob are sitting in the room. Um, and T-Bob's pretending to be a tiger, which was really stupid. Um, but Matt randomly is talking to this kids and he randomly pulls in the unlike that snake mayhem. And the computer immediately pops up something that mayhem's in the area. Like, does mayhem, does venom, do they all carry like a ankle bracelet or a GPS locator on them? I, I don't. I so I don't understand how Matt knows everywhere they're at at all times. I like it just seemed weird that the the way that they introduced venom in this episode. It's like they're randomly he's randomly talking to his kid. And makes a reference to Venom to his kid. And then is like, they're in the area. Like, that was the most unnatural way to bring them into the episode. I just didn't like it. And it was also the worst laugh in that same scene. The worst laugh I've ever heard out of T-Bob. <laughs> yeah. He laughed like a giddy schoolgirl. Um, yeah. And then there's... I'm sorry. I'm going to be so negative here. There's also a scene with T-Bob when the first like light storm goes off or whatever the radiation right and scott this is just bad writing scott says uh t-bob is glowing like a light bulb (laughs) what light bulb have you ever seen that glows like that scott because his whole top of his dome was like doing a strobe light show like a disco party like it did not look like a light bulb t-bob is the 10th reindeer (laughs) it was just the whole beginning sequence was terrible. That was one of the most artificial beginnings ever with all of that whole scene. Like I said, I, I, I will agree with you. It was, but like I said, I did like the light show. I like, I like the outside light show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a problem with radiation, making all electronic things glow and flash. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why Matt's watch is flashing and why T Bob part of him is flashing. Yeah. Like, I don't get why radiation would cause that. Maybe somebody involved in physics can explain that one to me. Um, Okay. I understand that the radiation, maybe, I'll buy this one, that it can drain T-Bob in his power. Uh I get that. How the fuck did T-Bob tip over and turn into like a million pieces? (laughs) He he tipped over and fell, which we've seen him fall and do all kinds of things in all these episodes. He tips over and falls, and his top half like pops off and it's like a bucket of screws is like emptied onto the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get why that would happen. <laughs> so that was just weird. I don't know. <laughs> this this cartoon series, I know I'm being nitpicky and it's a cartoon, leave it alone. But they're really bad at some things causing like some people have superhuman power and cannot yeah. get killed or hurt. And then we have like the first episode where Watchmacallit got hurt when a rock fell on him or we have this episode where T-Bob tips over and, and breaks into a million pieces, or we have mask powers that can do all kinds of crazy stuff for a long extended period of time. And then sometimes they can't last five minutes. Yeah. Like there's just a lot of contradiction and, and inconsistency here. Um, I find it odd that the radiation was causing all kinds of electronic problems. People couldn't use their masks um, vehicles could not use their weapons or drive or drive all kinds of that stuff was happening. But when Matt needed to use the mass computer to assemble the team, it worked, it worked. perfectly. Yeah. 
I questioned why the mass computer was working at that stage. Now I know at sometimes, and then there were some points where vehicles could use their weapons. So I didn't quite understand what kind of was the radiation interference just inconsistent. So some stuff could work and some stuff couldn't, or it depended what time it was. I just still find it, even if it is being inconsistent, that the mass computer worked was kind of a glaring thing to me. Cause they just shown like three or four electronic things that didn't work. Yeah. Um, there was another magical transport of the team and their vehicles to India. Yeah. Um, so that was not explained away at all. Um, no, it's it, it was we'll, like we'll talk about that. There. I will bring that up later, but again, eventually. Um, but yeah, they're just like magically transported to India immediately. There's no time lapse. There's no waiting for them. They're just boom. There they are. Um, I assume Condor is gone forever now. Um, because they just left it. Yeah. They just yeah. left it and Matt drove away with, uh, with Brad or whatever. I think it was Brad. Um, yeah, it was Brad. And they just left the Condor. So apparently we'll never see that again. Yeah, right. Um, does Venom need a diet? Because <laughs> Matt and, um, Brad, they crawl through that crawl space into the lost city. Yeah, and then Venom gets to the same loss, the same crawl space, and they need to throw a grenade in there before they can crawl through. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's a whole diet thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, are two really, let's, let's be honest here. The only one that is fat out of the entire Venom team that we've seen so far is Miles. Um, and they get through the crawl space. I, I think it's more of their egos. I'm not getting on my hands and knees That's and crawling into. You know what I mean? It's I get that. You know, it's more of a ego trip versus, oh, let's just crawl in here. Let's blow it up so we can walk through. <laughs> okay, my my biggest one of my biggest things that just made me completely like run my head into a wall when I watched this episode. Uh, they're, they're in the Lost City, and I believe it was it's either Sly or Cliff um, grabs the scepter. Right. And is stealing the scepter. And the Lost City guards begin to come after him. The tigers, yes. Uh, well, no, no, no. The, oh, the, oh, okay, two, the people. Two, uh, two guards start running after him. Right, uh, right. He takes a potted plant and throws it in the way of the guard to kind of be an obstacle. The guard trips over the potted plant that is about a foot long on the pot and another foot for the plant cannot avoid the potted plant that has been thrown in his path, but completely trips over and face plants on the ground from this and allows the Venom character to get away. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen something so like <laughs> unbelievable in my life. Like He didn't throw something in his way that blocked his path. He didn't do it in a way that he couldn't see it coming. It was like if you were running three feet behind someone and someone threw a potted, potted plant in your way, I'm pretty sure you get around it or over it. Like, yeah, that's nuts. That was terrible. Um, that was terrible writing. That was terrible animation. It was just bad. Okay. Then we get to the point where Venom has stolen the scepter. The scepter is like the end-all, be-all. This civilization must have it. Like, they do not... Like, this is their thing. Like, they can't... Let it right. out of their grass. They they want it back. This at is all their thingamabob. Yeah, they want it back at all costs. 
So what fucking sense does it make to tell Matt that he must get it by himself? He has to go alone and get it back. Wouldn't that be the least likely scenario to get your scepter back? Yeah, but I think it was because of the fact that they were holding the team hostage. Okay, hold one member hostage. Yeah, hold, true. Hold something else, like, or just tell them we're going to block the crawl space so you can't get out of here. Like, it made no sense to say, we want this thing back so badly that one of you can go take on those four and get it back. Like, if I want that scepter back, I'm being like, hey, team of masked guys that have special powers, go get it back for us, please. Yeah. Um, that just seemed weird. Then there was a couple of things at the end that I just thought was just horrible writing as far as the lines and the dialogue go. Uh, Venom's gone, the scepter's returned, and Mask and this uh, this lost city elder leader guy are talking or whatever. And uh, Matt, uh, Matt Tracker makes the comment, he says, Venom, don't worry, Venom will never dare visit this city again. <laughs> Why? What... What so bad happened that Venom would never be, like, motivated to come back? Nothing. I mean, it wasn't like something terrible happened or something, like, threatening. If they ever came back, they would have to face this, like, monster that would just annihilate them. It's like, they didn't get the scepter. Why not go outside, wait for Mask to leave, and then try again? Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't like the... Um, There's uh, no danger. Well, it, it it wasn't like the people of the Lost City, you know, threw a vial of acid at Miles Mayhem and it disfigured him for life. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead to 2002. Well, and <laughs> it's not like they it's not like they had some type of weapon that was threatening or dangerous. Right. Like, yeah. It just made no sense to be like they'll never dare visit this city again. I was like, <laughs> why? And then they they're all big about this secret and that they need this city to be secret because they don't want it to be disturbed. They're here by choice. Blah 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 blah. And then Matt makes the the comment again to these people. He says, "Don't worry, your you know your secret is safe with Mask." Okay, well it might be safe with Mask, but guess what? Venom knows about your damn city, and I'm sure they're not as going to keep your secret safe. Like, yeah. there's just weird lines in there. Like, it's just bad storytelling. Yeah, like who cares if your your secret's not safe? There was just a fucking war in your city, and there's like tw- at least what. Eight, four mass members and four Venom members that have now left that all know yep. about your city. Yeah. Like, your secret's not safe. <laughs> I just, there's so many bad things about this episode. And the thing is, like, the plot had potential. The whole Lost City, I don't have a problem with. The Scepter, even though this radiation thing is kind of funky, gray area, vague, ambiguous. Um yeah. It still had potential. I just could not watch a single scene without finding something wrong with it. Whether it was electronics working when they shouldn't be working, whether it was T-Bob busting into a million pieces when he shouldn't be, you know, whether it was people tripping over potted plants. Oh, and I missed one that I cannot believe I almost missed. (laughs) We've seen it. Three times, I think, at least. And this may be the fourth time. I forgot how Matt got the scepter back. Uh, Miles drops it. (laughs) With his hand out of the um, switchblade, I believe. He's kind of out of control. Right. And he drops the scepter into Matt's hand, who is flying in the Thunderhawk. Right. 
but it was because of I think Matt attacked him. Yeah, I don't care. Get some fucking sticky gloves <laughs> shit, or chuck it in the damn glove box. <laughs> Put it in the trunk. Roll up your damn windows. Venom should not be allowed to drive or fly with windows down. And first of all, since you since you brought that up, <clears throat> the Switchblade has a cockpit uh, <laughs> slider. It doesn't have a fucking wind. It, it, I'll have to. I'd have to rewatch it. Somehow his hand is. No, up. no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, like, the, like, for Switchblade, and I know this because I I've seen the damn thing enough times. The cockpit for Switchblade, it's like um, you've seen Top Gun, haven't you? A long time ago, yes. It's like the F-14, where yeah. in in with with Switchblade, it doesn't open sideways, so the pilot can get in. It opens vertically up. Right. Kind of like a kind of like a clamshell. Yeah. Okay. So it opens vertically up. That whole magenta pinkish panel is one panel. Where the fuck is a window? I don't know. I almost to... want to rewatch it now to see how his hand or arm is out the window, but it is somehow because <laughs> he drops the scepter into Matt's. Well, I think it. he. I think he had the thing up. I, it's, that's, that's what I'm saying. How the hell that's is convenient. he? You know, like I said, keep your windows and cockpits and things and doors shut because you have a tendency to drop important items. Yes. What really worries me is tomorrow morning, the shrine of the golden goddess of Sarawak will be unsealed for its annual worship ceremony. The golden goddess of Sarawak? Isn't that your country's symbol of peace and harmony? Yes, it is most valuable. And it is made of 2,000 pounds of solid gold. If anything should happen to it, there could be a civil war. All right. Well, now that everybody thinks I'm the negative Nancy of the group, let's move on to episode 16, The Golden Goddess. So we were in India last episode. Now we are in Singapore. We are making the rounds. Um, and we start with in Singapore with these native people praying to these idols, seems like. Um, and then like a golden altar disappears. And there's uh, a chain of golden things that are disappearing. We then see T-Bob and Scott driving down the street in Singapore, randomly, and we also see Matt and Bruce, apparently Bruce is on this trip with Matt to Singapore, and they're on their way to a meeting with some leader, mayor type, governor person, whatever. Yeah, some official. Yeah, and of course Venom is in the area, because apparently Venom does not go anywhere without Mask, and Mask does not go anywhere without Venom. Exactly. Mask is on vacation somewhere, Venom happens to be there for some reason. That's just how it works. Um, so another temple theft is reported. But this time Bruce spots Vanessa uh, kind of being up to no good. She's taking pictures of like these maps and these blueprints, etc. Um, and then there's a funny scene where Vanessa tips a bookcase over on Bruce. Meanwhile, uh, you know, the, Bruce gets back to Matt, explains what they're doing. They're looking at their maps. They figure stuff out. And Matt's like, well, it's time to assemble the team. So the mask team assembles. Uh, all three of them, Matt, Bruce, and Alex. So it's a three against four this time. Uh, Matt and Bruce are forced to go alone for a while while Alex is in transit. Scott and T-Bob get involved. There's a mask of Venom showdown. Uh, Alex arrives just in time to save Scott from an elephant. <laughs> they mask and the natives find that the golden goddess is missing now, another golden thing. And there's a clue that leads Alex to figure out that somehow the gold is being turned into liquid and they kind of figure out how Venom, a way, uh, part of how Venom is doing what they're doing. 
So then Mass goes on their gold rush trying to search down the gold, etc. There's another showdown in this episode, so we'll get two of them in this episode. Um, and kind of nice and tidily in that showdown, Mask ends up saving the day, and everything is returned to normal. They recreate the Golden Goddess. Um, so yeah, so what did you think about the Golden Goddess plot? Okay, well, you already mentioned uh, the the location. I, I wrote that down as a note for the, the plot. Um, this will come into later when we close the show, but uh, even though Mayhem always says blast, it's Mask again, <laughs> Venom must know the mask who the Mask agents are. Masks, mask knows who they are. Uh, and to further my point, she fucking looked right at Bruce. Yeah. You're telling me Vanessa has such bad eyesight that she did not see Bruce Sato. She looked right the fuck at him. Well, she, she doesn't know who he is. And that's going to be the argument. I know, but the <laughs> thing is, you know, I'm 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 sorry. There's no way that Miles and his team does not know that Matt Tracker is Matt Tracker. And if Scott gets to know who Cliff Dagger is, I'm sorry. There's no way that Venom does not know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, um, overall, I like the plot. Uh, it, it was okay. I, I, it's better than the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's well, not the thing the is, best. the thing is, the plot is not better than the last episode, but it's better executed. Yeah, like they actually because the plot's actually a little bit more ambiguous in this one because I get the fact that that men, uh, Venom is stealing gold, right. you know, that they're melting it down, that they're getting the gold, and that they're doing it that way, but they never really like really outline what Venom is doing here. Well, they outline how it's done. They outline how they're doing it, and they're stealing gold, and then he's trying to get the gold. But I guess we're just supposed to accept that that's the end of it. Like, Venom is uh, just doing it because they want gold and they want the money. Yeah. Like, so it's not very complicated. They're they're stealing gold because they want gold. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, left turns or... real, oh my god, this is going to help us take over the world. It's like, we we need to fund some new machines because we keep breaking Switchblade, so (laughs) we need to get some gold to, to fix up our vehicles. Like, yeah, I mean, so there's not a lot to this plot, but it's just oh. executed in a way that makes it seem like it's more of a plot than the last episode. Yeah. I will agree. Interface with Boulder Hill headquarters. Interface secured. Level one emergency. Provide me with a best mask agent with knowledge of precious metals. Selection completed. Recommended. Alex Sector. Approved. Transmit the mask signal code. Instruct Alex Sector to take the transport jet, along with Rhino, direct to Singapore. All right, it's time to turn the brights on the Golden Goddess. Um, Episode 16, High Beams. I'll start us off here. I I thought it was funny when when Matt said that Mayhem was his uncle, and then, not that part that was funny, but then it was funny that Bruce sees Vanessa and calls calls her Aunt Vanessa. (laughs) I thought it was just funny that that Bruce kind of followed on with that joke that... Well, not really joke, but the the fib that Matt had told. Um, I love the classic, obvious outline of the bookcase that is about to be moved. Yeah. Like, they show three bookcases next to each other, and it's that classic cartoon thing where one of them is a completely different color and shade, so you know that it's about to move. Yep. It's like when you see, like, in anything, like G.I. Joe or, you know, He-Man or whatever, when you see a rock or a part of a mountain or a cliff that's not the same color, you know it's about yeah. to fall. Um, so I thought that was funny. It just 
classic eighties. Um, I did like the team selection on this one for about two or three different reasons. And you just heard the clip on it before we started talking here. Uh, number one, Matt says, select the agent with knowledge of precious stones or of gems or whatever. He some term there at the end. Right. I thought it was cool that Matt was telling the computer what specific ability or trait was being needed. He didn't just say select the team that's best for this mission. He said, I need somebody that knows about you know gold or precious stones or whatever. Right. So I thought that part was cool. Then Matt actually says, have Alex trans uh, get in the transport jet yeah. with, with Rhino yeah. and come to Singapore. So now we are aware that there is some type of jet that is being used, kind of answers some questions from a bunch of other episodes where it's just gone unnoticed. But apparently whoever wrote this episode actually said, wait a second, this won't make sense. We need to... At- put some dialogue in there to explain how these guys are getting to Singapore. Right. So I thought that was excellent that he says, you know, get Alex in the transport jet, bring Rhino in the jet too. Right. Third part about this, it actually takes Alex some time to get there. Yep. Um, so it was like the trifecta here, all three things taken care of in the team selection process. Like to me, this is genius writing. They didn't have to, like, write a part of the story to do it. They said, look, we can do this when Matt selects a team. We can take care of all these different things. We can explain how the vehicles and he are getting over there. We can um, explain why he's chosen because he's been asked for the precious stones. And it's going to actually take some time to get there. So it's not like they're transporting there. Right. I just thought that was an excellent, excellent job by whoever came up with that idea. I thought it was hilarious that the lady with the purse hits Miles Mayhem. (laughs) <laughs> the old lady with the purse. It was yeah. kind of a, just a random, like, forced-in comedy bit, but it was still funny. Um, I I did like when the elephant threw T-Bob. <laughs> he went freaking flying. Um, and like I said, this, the more I think about it, there really isn't that much of a plot, but I wrote down in my notes that it, like, man, this is there's an actual plot in this one because it's just somehow they disguised it and made it look like a plot. <laughs> because of the way they did things. It was like, we actually have something going on. They're going from place to place, stealing gold. We're figuring out that they're melting it down, um, you know, using the, the system there to do that. And so there was some development of a very simple plot of bad guys steal gold to get money. Um, so they, they dress that up on all kinds of different ways. I also very much like the small team. We only have three mask members. Now, usually I would say I don't like that because I like to see a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But but I saw in this one, because there's only three of them, we got to see a lot about them. Right. Like, there was more character depth because there's only three people. We only have Bruce, Alex, and Matt, so we're seeing a lot about each one of them. Right. Now, obviously, Bruce and Alex are used a lot anyways, mm-hmm. so we kind of know about them. Like, it would almost be cooler to have a three-person episode with some of the ones we don't know enough about. You know, like a, like a Hondo and Gloria, yeah, like Hondo and Gloria, somebody like that. But I did like the the three man team. Yes. I thought that was a kind of a little cool twist that the uh, kind of the only twist that the pedicab drivers is where the gold was. Yeah. Um. You know whether you buy it or not, that gold could look like that or this or that. But I, I just I didn't see it coming that that's where the gold was when they first showed it. And I thought it was cool that then, like, a couple minutes later, they they show Matt looking back and and seeing 
the cab drivers again and being like, oh, that's the gold is with those random people that we didn't think were important three scenes ago. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um, I thought it was interesting that the Thunderhawk was not able to convert. They actually, the damage that the elephant did, they, they followed through with that. And even though it happened earlier on in the episode, then later on when Thunderhawk went to go into like the flight mode, he couldn't for a yeah. while. So I thought that was cool that they kind of let that tie over throughout the episode. Um, I also loved Sly's joke at the end. When Miles says something about, uh, what does he say? Um, something about down the drain or something like that. And yeah. Sly like acts like he thinks he's joking. We we have a clip of it. You'll hear it. Um, but I just thought that was funny. It was one of the first times we've seen a, a joke or comedic bit from the Venom side of things. And obviously it would come from Sly because he's the only one that could pull off a joke from their side. <laughs> I mean, Vanessa might be able to, but you're not going to see many jokes from Cliff or Miles. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I thought there was a lot of good parts about this episode. I thought the difference between this episode and the last one is this one, the writing, and I don't, I haven't looked up to see who's writing each episode, but the writing seemed a lot superior in this episode. It, it was. It was. What did you like? Um, mm, Vanessa, hot librarian. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, at least Matt told the computer, you know, like you said, to instruct mm-hmm. Rhino. So that was that, that. was something I also noticed. Um, have you flipped your floppy disk? This really dates the show. I mean, it, it, I mean, like everybody knows mass came out in 85. Everybody knows that, but like, this is one thing. If you were watching it with your kids in a few years or something like that, they would have no clue what that was talking about. Exactly. And there's going to be a couple things later on in a few episodes that uh, also date it. Yeah. We'll come to, but yeah. Uh, stampedes are always a nice diversion. (laughs) (laughs) I like the elephants in this episode. (laughs) Where's Colonel Hattie when you really need him? That's right. (laughs) <laughs> some drugs some traffic. Uh, that elephant took the trash out. <laughs> oh my god. You're not calling T Bob trash. That elephant took the trash out. I like how mysterious uh this episode was at first until they actually explained the science of how Venom was getting like I don't mind be having science explained to me, but it was cool to me in the story of not knowing. Yeah. I mean Okay, sure, we had um, a Highway to Terror where Venom shows up tongue-in-cheek like, bada-bing, bada-boom, it's magic! <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you had that, but with this, it was like, genuinely, where the fuck did the shit go? Yeah. And you didn't know, and I liked not knowing versus learning the whole chemical process, whatever else. Um, one thing in this this episode, I don't know if this happens a lot, in future episodes, but uh, uh, it was a pretty awesome battle between Venom and Mask, and Venom actually gets the upper hand for a bit, but of course Mask pulls it out in the end. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool where, you know, they had Mask on the ropes for a bit. <clears throat> Trash can times two! <laughs> right where T-Bob belongs. <laughs> You're an idiot. Uh, the PSA message for this one was it was good, but I can't help but think we've heard it before. Um, I've never seen this one before, and the message I got out of the PSA was apparently you are never supposed to listen to anything on headphones. Well, <laughs> not in not in traffic, not while that, riding a bike. He he was walking, he was walking away from the house oh. with his headphones on, and he got freaking yelled at. 
Well, it is kind of true, though. I mean, because... I, I'm not saying it's not true, and I'm not saying right. that the point wasn't no. You're only supposed to, you know, if you're riding your bike or if you're driving a car, you shouldn't right. be listening to it. But the point that he gets yelled at, he is walking away from their house with headphones on, and it was well, like they're... traumatizing to the fact that don't you ever wear headphones? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad invention. Mm. It just struck me as a weird PSA. We have been cursed again. Oh, no. The golden goddess has vanished. The prophecy of doom shall fall upon us and our nation. The golden goddess of Sarawak has always been a symbol of peace and prosperity for our country. Without her... So it's time for some low beams on the golden goddess. I only have a couple here, so let me just get them out of the way. Um... Terrible voice casting on the younger Asian guy at the beginning. The the voice that came out of him did not fit. Uh, it should, it's no surprise. Anybody who's been following us, anybody who watches the show knows that the voice acting in this series is not up to par. So that goes without saying. So right. so the Golden Goddess was 2,000 pounds of solid gold. That <laughs> is a lot of gold. Right. Now I get why Venom wants it. <laughs> That's an yeah. obscene amount of gold. Um there was a, a moment in this episode where they played Sly off to be a dum dum. Yeah, I did not uh, like that. No, that's stupid. Because he's not the dumb one of the group. Right, that's Dagger. Yeah, Cliff is dumb. I would even say that Sly is almost the smartest one. Yeah, Sly and Sly and Vanessa. Um, so I did not like that they gave him a dumb moment. That that does not fit his character. Um, I thought Scott and T-Bob being involved in this one was a tiny bit forced. Um, it wasn't like – it just didn't seem as natural as, it, as they pulled off a few episodes here and there. They a lot of times go back to this like automatic we have to force Scott and T-Bob into the story. And that was probably my biggest and one of my only negative things about this episode. Um there was a point where it seemed like they messed up. I don't know if they didn't pay attention, and, and you just heard the clip before we started talking about the low beams. There's a point where the native guy is talking about the golden goddess being gone and mm-hmm. what that means, and he says, without the golden goddess, and he doesn't finish his sentence. Hmm. He, he literally doesn't finish his sentence, and it just goes to the next scene. It's like, without the goddess, what? Like, are we, was it, was it kind of, I mean, it didn't seem like it was, it could have been planned like that, but it just didn't seem like it. It could be like, oh, without that, and you're just supposed to fill in the blank, but it literally yeah. just seemed like the sentence got cut off in the middle and they moved on to the next scene. Yeah. So, I don't know, that was weird to me. Um, when they shoot, uh, one of the mask vehicles shoots a cloud of smoke, so to speak, I think it was Rhino, up to um, Miles Mayhem. Yeah, it was. Switchblade. And the cloud kind of overtakes Switchblade so that he can't see and whatnot. Yeah. But then they cut to a scene where Miles Mayhem is coughing inside. <laughs> okay, now, folks, this time he does have the cockpit down. Yes, he does. So why is he coughing? I don't know. Is it like one of those things where you're driving down a farm road and even though the smell's outside, it seeps into your car? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there seems to be no reason. There's no dust or... Like, there's smoke, there's smog, there's all this black cloud of stuff outside of Switchblade. They do not show any smoke, cloud of dust, or anything inside the cockpit. Yeah. But he is coughing, like, uncontrollably, and that's what causes him to have to, like, retreat. 
<laughs> so it was kind of a quick and tidy ending that I didn't appreciate. I thought the ending was the one, the ending and the the way they involved Scott and T-Bob were really the only down negative things for me for this episode. What about you? Right. I only have three. Um, wait a damn second. Only Matt, Bruce, and Alex are on this mission. Uh, and I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, and, and I do agree with you. I think, I mean, we get too much of Bruce and Alex. We, <laughs> we just do. No, I mean, I know that they're like, you know, essentially Matt's right hand men. Their toys right must have sold better. And men, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's all well and good, but I agree with you. It should have been Dusty and Gloria, Hondo and Gloria, Brad and Dusty, Brad and Gloria, whatever. It should have been Buddy. the members that we haven't seen a lot from. I agree. Um, when Vanessa first used her whips, she didn't say, whips on. <laughs> she just used the weapon. Oh, no, we're trapped. Help. Well, if your dumbasses would have gone back to the fucking hotel, you wouldn't be in that situation. That's true. Uh. Okay, hold the fucking phone. Now, you said it already that it weighed 2,000 pounds, but the way I have my note written here is, they said the gold weighed a lot. Uh, if petty calves are the combined weight of all the gold, there's no fucking way Bruce should have been able to lift them with lifter. There's yeah, just, I saw I, that too. There's no way. If, if all those petty calves add, added up to 2,000 pounds of gold, yet he can't... He can lift that, but he can't lift a 747... Without straining, I it's mean, very inconsistent. Yeah. Oh boy, but that's that's all I got for low beams on this one. Not too bad for the low beams for episode. The ring you see is known as the mystery ring. Inscribed with the letter V on the inside of its band, it's one of a set of three. Together, it is said the rings will reveal one of the world's greatest treasures. Unfortunately, the whereabouts of the other two rings is unknown. All right, it's time to uncover the mystery of the rings for your plot for episode 17. We start with Matt and Scott at a Renaissance fair um, where they see one of these rings that is described to be one of three mysterious rings that uh, are very kind of mystical and magical. Um, And then we have this side story going on where Scott and T-Bob are trying to make a postcard for Gloria. We'll get to that later. Um, someone steals. Someone comes in and steals the ring that they've, that they've just been shown at the Renaissance Fair. And Matt and Bruce obviously discuss the possible Venom involvement. So the team gets assembled. And okay, I have hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to stop you here right away. I, no, if I, it's a high beam or low beam, you have to. No, wait. no, no. It's not. It's not. It's just from, from what you just said. Okay, I know the show is Mask. I know Mask's arch enemy is Venom. But the first thing that they think, oh, it's it's this legendary ring. Oh, it must be Venom. It couldn't have been just your average everyday shopper. Oh, no, we'll explain why it has to be no, Venom. No, I know, I know, I know. But what I'm just saying is just like, I don't know. We'll get to that. Get, go um, ahead. Okay, so, so Bruce or Matt decides that the team needs to be assembled. And that the three rings serve as a map to some type of treasure we discover. Um, 
they put a basically a tracking device on the the Duke's car. That's the guy that had the second ring, um, so that they can follow him when if he leaves or anything else like that. Because they're worried that Venom's going to try to steal the second ring. Um, Vanessa has this like thing that she shoots into the cars that puts everybody to sleep, like a sleeping gas type thing. Uh, so she puts Duke to sleep, he gets the second ring, she puts Mass to sleep, and they luckily don't crash and die. Um, and then we turn our attention to the third ring, which there's some archaeologists out digging and looking for the third ring. They they find it, um, but Venom comes and takes it from them. Meanwhile, Mask uses like a sundial and Roman numerals because there's letters engraved on each ring to figure out where it's pointed and, and where the treasure is. Uh, Scott follows the group. Um, they they find the ring. There's a little showdown between Mask and Venom. Scott and T-Bob find the treasure, and they put it inside of T-Bob, um, and everything works out in the end. We have three, again, three uh, Mask agents. Matt, Bruce, and Alex, yeah. Matt, Bruce, and Alex again, and the four regular Venom agents. So it's a similar setup to last episode. Um, as far as I go with this plot, I actually like the idea of these three rings and being in three different places because it gives Venom three different things that they have to achieve or go after. It's very easy to follow. Like, we know Venom has gotten the first ring that kind of introduced the whole plot. We we know where the second ring is, so we kind of know they're going to come after that one. And the third ring is kind of this mysterious one where we don't know where it is, but it's going to have to come into play at some point. So I don't mind the, the fact that there's these three rings and that there's some type of treasure connected to it. I don't necessarily care for the sundial Roman numeral aspect of discovering where the treasure is. That seemed kind of weak. Um, yeah. I know there had to be some type of way to point where it was, but it just seemed weak the way they did that. But as far as the plot goes, I, I don't have any major problems with the plot, except for like last episode, there was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of forced Scott T-Bob inter- interaction and involvement, a little different this time, which I'll get to a little bit later. But I don't have any problems with the plot overall. What about you? I don't either. I, I thought out of the three episodes today, I thought this was the most solid of the plots. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, the only thing I really and and I know that I think I know the answer to this by now, but my note about the plot was uh, that Matt mentions he's with the Duke. So are they in England or France? Because they don't actually say. But if it was France, they would have shown the Eiffel Tower or something like that. So I'm assuming it's England, or somewhere in Europe. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in Europe. I don't know. It seems it seems like we're in somewhere in Europe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So no no huge problems with the plot. No, not really. Uh, I was waiting for Sonic the Hedgehog to show up, but anyway. <laughs> you know, mystery of the rings, Sonic goes after golden Bada rings. Bing. Yes. Boy, the Duke was sure happy to get those diamonds. He's going to use them to help his country's money problems. And I want to thank you and T-Bob for giving me a hand. That's right. In the face of danger, we came through. But now you're going to have to face the real danger. The real danger? Yes, me. And the discipline I'm going to think up for you for going to Sunhenge without permission. So the high beams for the mystery of the rings for me. Um, I thought it was cool that Scott had installed like this camera function in T-Bob. I thought it was just another cool way to use T-Bob, and he's trying to take pictures and stuff like that. I did think, just like last episode where we had the floppy disk reference, we have a film reference on this one. So that would be a dated reference eventually. 
um, oh. because most people are going to be like, what, what do you mean he ran out of film on a camera? There's no such well, – well, you, you don't run out of anything with a camera because most people will not. Digital. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was – but I thought it was funny that he did run out of film and that they had the whole camera thing. And I thought, oh, cool, you know, a cute little kid crush. Scott has a crush on Gloria. Um, wants to send her a postcard. I can't explain why any other reason why he would want to be sending a postcard to Gloria. So I'm assuming he has this crush on her. Yeah. So whatever, that's cute. Blah blah blah. Um, he's being a kid. I have, you know, like we said before, it's another decent plot. We've had a couple good plots in a row here. I did like Matt a couple times. I, I love that they gave him the line "What in blazes." Nah. It just seems like something that you wouldn't hear normally on your kid cartoon show. And he's like, what in blazes? Um, and he actually disciplined or uh, references disciplining Scott at the end. Yeah. He actually says that he's about to, you know, that it's going to be hell to pay for lack of a better term. And, you know, that he's going to be disciplining him for being involved and whatnot. So I thought, yeah, hey, we finally see Matt actually playing the role of father, yeah. which is something we don't usually see. Um, so I thought that was good. And uh, what did you think was good? I thought Venom was really being smart with the plot, the whole misdirection thing. and Yeah, because I didn't know who that was that stole that first ring at first. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. And that's what I was saying earlier was why is, why is Matt and Bruce so quick to judge that it's Venom? It could have just been a random thief. Um, we'll get to that in a second. No, I know. I know. Um, but that's honestly the only thing I wrote down for eye beams in this one. Yeah, for me, I don't know. I mean, I guess this kind of goes into my thoughts about the whole one, but I didn't have a lot of stuff written down for high beams. I didn't dislike the episode, but it, it, there wasn't a lot of, like, wow moments in this episode, which was kind of unfortunate. There wasn't, like, stuff that just made you go, hmm, that was cool or that was interesting. Yeah, there wasn't really anything. I mean, there wasn't – you know, I've, I've mentioned this before in the podcast where, you know, I will write down when I – really enjoy a, a music cue and not, not, not just the mask theme, not just the venom theme, but if it's a different variation of a music cue or I'll write down of, Oh, Hey, I really loved how the, how, how the vehicles were animated stuff or like the that. fight scene or something that was right. Masked. Right. There Function. wasn't anything here really to, no. to write down. So venom confirmed. I've got a picture of one of their boots. Merlin the Magician would have been impressed. All right, so for the final time this episode, <laughs> let's look at it through the low beams, Mike. Oh, boy. People are going to be commenting on this episode post, I guarantee Remember, you. he was being positive earlier when I was being negative. Right. Now we're this switching is, roles. This is my negative for this episode, and there's a lot of them. Uh, again, with only two additional mass members, not counting Matt. I, and again, it's the same two, Bruce and Alex. I, I, I just can't, like, I understand and I get that Alex is the one that knows the gems. And I I can overlook it, but that originally when I watched the episode, I, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of specifics like what you said earlier. Well, I have I have no problem with Bruce being in there because I tend to like episodes with Bruce in more than right. I like episodes without him. But I think Alex needs to be switched out with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting for the prince to come. Oh, <laughs> uh, let the puns begin. Stop trying to be a comedian, T-Bob. Okay, hotels have dark rooms now. Really? Seriously? They do when Matt Tracker rents them out. Okay. Uh, Scott is being a dick to his dad, yet it gives Matt the clue that they needed to solve the mystery of the rings. Scott, throughout this entire fucking episode, the only reason why he gets involved is because, oh, 
My little kid dick wants to be in Gloria. Blah. I am wow. just crushed. Blah, 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 blah. I got to do all this shit for Gloria. I don't care if I fucking die if Switchblade lands on me or something. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, and, and Scott will interrupt the mission just to get the money he needs to send for the goddamn postcard. Somebody just gave up on our podcast. I, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Seriously, you're going to have your stupid robot drive through the smog when the robot clearly said he can't see. Just go anyways. Just go straight ahead. Fuck you, Scott. Okay, that beam that was aimed right at the rock where T-Bob... Uh, T-Bob's head was, nearly took his head off. He moved out of the way after the beam was fired. Are you serious? Uh, after the spectrum blast, there is an odd silence before Matt starts talking to Alex and Bruce. The, the, there was. There's a very, really weird... Remember how you were talking earlier about how they'll just stop? Yeah. And it'll be... Yeah, there was that weird silence again. I... Uh, it was some joke that Matt laughed at that I was kind of well, wasn't really pissed there, at, but I was like, "Really?" You, yeah. you laughed at that at the end. Well, there was uh, one time where they took turns; three different people took turns laughing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you should only skate on private property or sidewalks. No, they didn't what? say sidewalks. They said no. you should only skate on private property or skate parks no they said sidewalks i swear they say private property or skate park they said sidewalks because i was like why would you not be able to do it on a sidewalk they said sidewalks i guarantee you listen to it again they do not say sidewalks they anyway that's why it doesn't make sense okay but it it doesn't make sense any it doesn't matter what they said it doesn't make sense anyway i'm sorry there's no way in hell that you know all right for example you know kevin you own a house you're going to tell some young whippersnapper to get off your lawn if they're skateboarding and, you know, on your private pro- I mean, I'm sorry, that PSA sucks. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's oh god, what do you got? Oh. Um first of all, yeah. They confirm and establish that Venom is involved. Yes. This is Matt's words. Yes. Because of a boot <laughs> okay, now hold on. No, Matt, I... hold on. Venom cannot. Venom can stare mask agents straight in the face and not know who they are. Right. All Matt needs is a boot, and he <laughs> knows he's dealing with Venom. Do they wear trademark boots? I have not been paying attention to the boots. I did not know they were that important. Yeah, I don't pay attention to the fashion. I did not realize that if you look at the boots of these people in mask that you can determine what team they're on. Somebody should have told me that from the beginning. I would have been paying attention to the boots. Did not know boots were important. Um, so that was a terrible way to confirm that Venom was involved. Uh, there's bad dialogue in this one. Yeah. There's bad dialogue, and it mostly centers around T-Bob and Scott. Now, oh, I'm, yeah. usually, I'm usually the biggest T-Bob defender in the world, but the writer decided not to use T-Bob in an actual comedic way in which he's been used successfully before, but just to give T-Bob cheesy one-liner after cheesy one-liner. Yeah. And mostly in a reference to some type of camera, postcard, print, etc. Um, it, it was just bad, bad dialogue. Um, I, I, so your son comes up to you. This doesn't make any sense, okay? Because in a normal situation, let's just forget about masks for a second. Okay. If you're dealing with a parent-child situation, yeah. Okay. If the parent has a lot going on, 
like they're dealing with a lot of stuff. And the kid comes up, and it's kind of like you know, like the nagging little kid in the corner, like you're hearing the voice, and you're you're busy doing other stuff. Yeah. And the kid's like, oh, I uh, I need a quarter or something like that, or I need this signed for school. Like if someone's if a parent's busy with something important, most likely he just does it right away. Like he almost does it without like he's not even looking at any signs, whatever paper it is. Right. Right. Or he just like throws a, a couple dollars at the kid or something. The kid is asking for what is the equivalent of like a, a quarter. In 1985 standards, yeah. He wants to send a postcard. Yeah. He wants a quarter. Yeah. You're telling me Matt could not give him a quarter and shut him up? Yeah, like, I don't not. understand. Like, he's like, I am busy right now. <laughs> like, I have too many important things. I am not giving you a fucking quarter to send a postcard. That is ridiculous. Like, that just seemed weird to me. Like, most parents would have dug in their pocket and not even heard the kid and just, like, thrown some money at the kid. Yeah, like go do whatever you do. Get out of my face. I'm busy. Um, so that was weird. Explain to me this. Riddle me this. These rings are super important, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, the rings are very important, and we especially the third ring is ultimately important because okay, they lose the first ring. No big deal. They can't do anything with one ring. We we are trying to protect the Duke because he's got the second ring. We lose the second ring. Well, they still can't do anything with two rings. Now the third ring becomes super important. More important than any of the other rings because if they get this one, they have all three. So we have two random archaeologists alone digging <laughs> for this ring. Yes. With no security. Yeah. No guards of any kind with no protection. It's nuts. No, Matt did not. Okay, we've been aware of this from the beginning. The guy said almost from the beginning that there was an archaeologist looking for the third ring. Right. A good leader that Matt Tracker is not would have said to his mass team, I know there's only three of them, but guess what? There's three of them, there's three rings. So he could have said, Bruce, you're sticking with the Duke. You're not leaving his side. He's got the second ring. Alex, you go to the archaeologists and you stick with them and I will try to hunt down the first ring and coordinate something. Right. Or he should have called in more mask agents because there should have been a mask agent at that archaeological site. Yeah, I agree. That was stupid that it was two random guys. The guy uncovers the ring and Venom's like, okay, we will take that. Yeah. Well, good job, Matt. Way to protect that third ring. And my last thing is I love the fact that they go – Miles goes, there's an engraving on on the ring, on the third ring specifically. Now, there's letters on all of them. But apparently there's actually an engraving of words on the third ring. And he goes to read the, the ring, which is not a big ring. No. And he rattles off like a paragraph. Yeah. There is like a whole like poem. There's like a limerick in there. He literally reads like five or six lines. Yeah. Where is that engraved and how tiny is that and how good is Miles' <laughs> eyesight? Because he's an old dude, and he if it was that tiny, he would have needed something to read that. Yeah, he would have. Um, so that was just weird to me that they rattled off. Like, I, I could have seen, like, a sentence. Like, yeah. I've seen some rings that have, like, a line. Yeah. No way was there that much engraved on that <laughs> ring. So there was just some... It's like... Uh, like, they weren't, like, bad, like, the, the low beams in episode 15... Where it was just for stuff me, like... They were, for, for me, they were in this... Uh, like, for me, it's not like tripping over a potted plant. But it's stuff well, like just bad dialogue and bad choices of how you wrote things. Right, but also, I, I mean, the, for me personally, 
you know, I, I, I've, I've tolerated, like, I've made fun of and I've tolerated Scott up to this point. Yes, I think he is one of the worst 80s kids ever. But this episode for me clinched it because I'm sorry. You are not, no matter what, you know, you're not going to keep interrupting your dad just because you want a Yes, I agree with you. Matt could have just flipped him a quarter or whatever. But if your dad says, not right now, we're in the middle of something, or if your dad's out driving somewhere and you know he's going after something, you don't need to get in on the goddamn adventure just so you can send a boner postcard to your girlfriend. You know, I'm sorry, that's not, it's just not, uh, Scott was more of a dick in this episode than the rest of the series, to to this point, I'm sorry, he, he just was. That's what happens when young in love. Well, (laughs) there's a point where, uh, and and this goes to your point of that that you said you liked that that at the end Matt scolded him. There's a point in the before that happens where Scott's like, "No, Dad, I need the money now," and Matt (laughs) just looks at him like, "What the fuck have you been smoking?" (laughs) You know, it's like he forgot to give me money. I'm gonna chase in after him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just. Uh, I think we should just. It, it's a time like this when we're dealing with these stupid kids that the only thing that can help is, is words of wisdom from Bruce Sato. Mask will be right back, and so will Venom. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the internet's number one and longest running GI Joe podcast. What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from GI Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk, and we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding kind of sometimes chuck makes fun of himself right and we okay seriously this is just getting ridiculous now it's what's on joe mind every week on the geek cast radio network inside pulse.com stitcher smart radio and itunes download and listen today i suppose i still can't say something about transformers can i Good. no what about sports that sounds yeah, good that's all right the plight of modern man He's controlled by the touch of his past. There he goes again. What does that mean? There is a high radiation level here. When it reaches a certain level, it explodes into the regime Borealis. That's what you and Scott saw the other night. The government building should be just around the corner. I think we're late for that meeting. Take it easy, Matt. Remember, time is merely nature's way of keeping everything from happening all at once. (laughs) I hope too much isn't happening all at once. According to the PNA, Venom operatives are rumored to be swarming all over Singapore. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free use and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. 
Don't forget to enter promo code KeyCast Radio when you register. Months of work down the drain. <laughs> down the drain. Damn, laugh. Sorry, thought you were making a joke. Let's get out of here. Now back to math. All right, before we get into our overall episode thoughts and our all-important episode ratings, uh, just real quickly, just give us a second if there's any other things that we wanted to say about the public service announcements. Um, obviously, the first one was the unmarked poisons and whatnot, and all your liquids and stuff need to be labeled so you don't try to drink water and end up drinking arsenic. Um, there was the don't listen to headphones because that's evil, and then there was the uh, don't skateboard on the street type one. Only private property apparently is where skateboards are allowed. I just wanted to say that I, I did think the first one was hilarious because they use the word poison so much. It's like like people have these containers in their garage that are poison. Yeah. Like straight up poison. Like I know people have like, you know, weed killer, bug killer, or, uh, you know, bug spray <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's like, don't touch that one. That one's poison. <laughs> like, it just seemed weird to me. Um, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, so that was my favorite of the three PSAs. Did you have a favorite? Um, it's good not, not really. to drink unmarked containers. Yeah. That's a lesson that can be learned and carried throughout life. Like when you're at a bar and someone hands you a glass, don't drink it because it might be poison. And it have a roofie in it. Somebody might have slipped you a Mickey. <laughs> um, what about your overall thoughts on the episodes? Not your ratings, but your overall thoughts. Right, right. My overall thoughts, I mean, it, it wasn't like the worst. It wasn't like we had three bad episodes in a row, but they could have been better. Um, it, it was it was weird. Like I, I've said this before, like we didn't have any clue when we were arranging these episodes. Like as far as we were putting episodes together based on numbers and stuff like that. Like we didn't right. know what episode 15 was going to be or what episode 16 was going to be. We didn't know if themes or whatnot or this or that. And we somehow managed to get uh, three episodes here that included one of them, Matt, Bruce, and Alex. Yeah. Another one, Matt, Bruce, and Alex, and the other one, Matt, Bruce, Alex, and Brad. Yeah. Like, how is that possible that we just randomly did that and had three yeah. episodes that were the exact same people, the short squads? Um, all, I, I think all three of them had plot potential. Uh, yeah, all three of them had plot potential, and I do think that uh, Mystery of the Rings had the best plot out of the three of them. But because of other reasons, that for me is probably the worst episode of the day. And with that, we will disagree. So let's get into the ratings. Let's start, though, with the Scepter of Regime, episode 15. What is your ranking and thoughts on that? I gave it a one out of five masks. Um, there's real... The plot is poorly executed. Uh, you know, there's there, there's things here that that you know that you pointed out that like oh at, at the end like we'll keep your secret. Well, Venom's not gonna fucking keep the secret. Yeah. You know, so so yeah, I, I gave it a one. I, I just I I can't recommend watching this episode. This would be a bad one for someone to watch for the first time. Um, I like. Uh, 
I liked the idea of the plot. I like stories that have like artifacts or like like I said, like these Indiana Jones type stories where there's like a lost city or there's an artifact right. that if you do this or that something happens, blah blah blah. I like all that mystical, fantastical stuff. So I wanted to like this episode. But the missteps in writing the the plot points that made absolutely no sense people yeah. acting in ways that should not be I, I mean there was just so many bad things about this episode that even though I wanted to like it I cannot find anything good about this episode really I mean a person tripped over a plant I can't get past that <laughs> not a bookcase not a bookcase a plant um yeah. no this episode gets a zero for me there's nothing there's oh, no your re- first zero. There's I think I gave one other one. Oh, I could be you? wrong. I have to look back. I think I gave one a little bit ago. But th- th- to me, there's no redeeming quality to this episode. It's uh-huh. terrible. It's a zero. Let's move on to. So that's a one and a zero. So everybody should know that that is a terrible episode, and we don't talk about this. So we randomly, independently came up with a one and a zero for that episode. Um, yeah. ep- episode sixteen, the Golden Goddess. Um, I'll talk about this one first because I actually ended up really liking this episode. I thought I was going to hate this whole week because uh, just based on the titles, I knew we were going to be in other countries in all of them. Yeah. And for some reason that bugs me about the series that they feel the need to go to a different location every single time. And that forces them to either be on vacation or Matt being on some philanthropic uh, venture. Yeah. And then Venom somehow is at the same place. And it just seems really stupid to me to do that. Um, and it seems very ironic. and It's just forced and it's bad. Like, it just makes yeah. it bad for me. So I was expecting to hate all these episodes, but I actually somewhat liked this, even though it's a golden elephant, which is weird, which we didn't really talk about, but it's the weirdest <laughs> golden goddess we've ever seen. Um, the elephant disappeared. It just fucking disappeared. <laughs> but, uh, so even though I wanted to hate all these episodes or thought I was going to, I actually found a lot of about this episode that I liked. It was somewhat comedic. Um, there was cool moments. I, there was a little bit of, they, they took a simplistic plot and did a lot with it in my opinion. Um, Cause to me, it's the most simple plot out of the three episodes, but to me, it's also the best executed. And I give this episode a four out of five. What do you All give right. this one? I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, the plot is simplistic, but it's it's very cool and it's very you know mysterious. Like I said it, when we were discussing it, uh, the one thing I did not bring up was the ending because, and it, you know, as much as I'm not a supporter of T. Bob being cool, um, I did think it was absolutely hilarious his reaction to the golden elephant. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Not like the elephants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ending was probably one of the only things that was a little too quick and too tidy for me, but I think this by far was the best episode of the day. I agree. Um, which leaves us with the final episode for today, which is Mystery of the Rings. I, I thought the plot had a lot of potential here. Like we said, it was probably the best plot overall. Um, yeah. I didn't think this one was as bad as you did. Um, to me, it was one of those episodes where there wasn't like too too awful like glaring mistakes that I couldn't get past but there was nothing really good about it that made me excited or enjoying it so much so I, I just gave this one a three um, it's probably kind of a high score for this episode but like I said I, I wasn't pissed off about the episode I just didn't find anything real great about it and I'm assuming you did not give this one a three I 
throughout us talking it out and through me voicing my opinions of Scott's behavior in this episode and throughout the podcast recording, it actually caused me to change my original score that I wrote down when I originally watched the episode. Uh, yes, the plot is the best plot overall out of the episodes for this, uh, for, for, for this week of Mass Mayhem, but I'm sorry. Uh, Scott's dickishness to his dad just because he wants to send this postcard to Gloria. And the fact that he puts himself and T-Bob into danger more than usual because he directly tells T-Bob, as I said before, to drive into the fucking smoke. Uh, this episode gets a zero. It, it, it just does. It, I that, already had that written down as what you are going to give this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am the keeper of the ratings and I already had it yes, predicted you were yes. going to put a zero. I mean, it, it just does because it... It makes no... Okay, I understand. Sure, you can have a crush on Gloria. You can feel Gloria is your your potential surrogate mother figure. However you feel about her, that's fine. I'm sorry. You do not go into a mission where there's lasers and giant vehicles that could run your ass over. I mean, hell, he nearly got trampled by an elephant in the last episode. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, that, that that that's the only reason... The rest of the episode I liked. I thought it was great. The only reason why it gets a zero is because of Scott. You know, it's been a bumpy road here uh, this week at Mass Mayhem. I, I just thought of something because when we have our three episode weeks, yes, we have a potential to hand out 30 masks as far as our ratings go. Okay. Because if we each gave five for all three episodes, that'd be 30 possible points. Between the three of us. Between, between the two, the two of, of us, yes. yes. 15 yeah. apiece. Yes. Okay, today we had three episodes. We gave out 11. <laughs> so it was a rough week on the Mass Mayhem Road. Um, yes. We both hated the Scepter. We both liked, to varying levels, the Golden Goddess. Goddess. I, yeah. did, I, I could stand the last one, and you hated it. So yeah. kind of that was the only one we really differed on. Yeah. So, thank you for being a part of Mass Mayhem today. If you'd like to get into contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do that. First of all, you should visit the website, which is www.geekcastradio.com. Now, a couple of things about when you visit the website. First of all, like we've said a couple times, um, that you can click on the little thing on the side of the, the webpage that says Send Voicemail. Um, that way, if you don't want to actually call the number, if you have like a mic set up on your computer, you can just record straight to there and do and send the voicemail that way. Um, remember, though, like we said in the beginning of this episode, it has a five-minute limit, so you need to try to keep it under five minutes or else you will get cut off mid-sentence like we observed. So that's the first thing when you visit the website is you can do the voicemail straight through there. Second thing is you can go to the Mass Mayhem pages, and you will find that we are having lots of discussions about the individual episodes um, for example, if you were to look back at, uh, episode six, we have a 16 comment, uh, basically thread on episode six of mass mayhem, where we have a bunch of different people talking about different things about mass mayhem. We're not going to get into any of the specifics that people are bringing up because we respond to those comments on the website. Right. So we respond to that feedback right away in per, you know, basically in person right there on the website. We type out our comments. So if you want to be a part of that, you need to go to the website and get involved in those discussions. It's just another way to interact with the show. 
Um, you can also send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Mike, I think you had something to talk about with email. Yes, we have an email. Uh, a very long email. <laughs> um, and Mike's going to read it for us. Yes, I'm going to read this. So okay, everybody, so, get ready. Yes. Uh, hey, guys, just wanted to chime in with some general feedback and clarification on some items. Overall, I like the show. The interplay between the hosts makes the episodes from a, a fun fun to listen to. Aww. I grew up watching Mask, even getting up in the middle of the night and sneaking into the kitchen to watch it on our little TV and some obscure satellite channel out of Boston. Yay, Boston! Ah, the old days of unscrambled satellite TV. Anyway, I've been making a list of stuff from the four episodes of the show to from the first four episodes of the show to comment on. Now, that's another thing I want to point out. Even though I'm reading this email. Kevin and I record pre-record these episodes, so if you send in feedback for episode seven, it might not be till episode nine or ten before we get to it because we can't just record in the middle since we're already recording. You know what I mean? So, all right. So here he says, here it goes. Uh, number one, yes, Scott Tracker is annoying, but I love T Bob, which, as we all know, is short for Thingamabob. I guess it's his sarcastic, cynical nature that endears me to the character. Sorry, Mike, T Bob is funny. But I will agree on you that his voice does change in some episodes, and not for the better. It sounds more robotic. Number two. It is not explained well in the show, but the reason everyone seems to show up at the Tracker house has something to do with Matt's being connected to the Peaceful Nations Alliance. It is like the UN of Mask Universe. I believe Matt is their liaison or something. That's interesting to know. Number three. Venom does not know the identities of the Mask agents until the final racing season. This is shown in a later episode where Miles gets an Indian mask that lets him see through things, and he uses it to see through Matt and Bruce's masks. He recognizes Tracker at that point, but... The Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, sorry. That's right. But the destruction of the Indian mask at the end of the episode causes him to forget what he saw. Uh, number four, Buddy Hawks has underworld connections because he is supposed to be a master of disguise. And he has infiltrated some criminal organizations. Again, this is not explained very well in the show at all. Number five, there is one instance where a vehicle is destroyed in the show and replaced with a new one. Uh, Firecracker Hondo's truck gets crushed at the end of an episode. The team gathers around it and gives him a 57 Chevy called Hurricane, which is a much cooler vehicle than he does get, doesn't get used very often. Uh, this also did happen with uh, with Thunderhawk, as we've said. I've, number six, I've always assumed that the Venom agents were just a bunch of common criminals as opposed to the take-over-the-world organizations like Cobra, and their identities were all public knowledge. The Mask agents routinely call them by name, but Venom only refers to Mask agents as Mask. We've talked about this at length. I, I after After this week's podcast episode, I don't know how the hell... Vanessa does not know that that's Bruce Sato. It's just a weak part of it. Yeah. Number seven, I feel the whole team selection bit takes way too long in the show. It's only a 22-minute show with a minute gone for the title sequence and another three or four gone for the team selection. You're down to about 18 minutes for the plot. That's not a lot of time to tell a deep story. Agreed. Yeah. That's why we don't like the long, energized sequences. Yeah. Very true. Number eight, Matt's Spectrum mask always felt like a deus ex machina kind of thing. Seems to be whatever they needed to do at the time. 
Among its powers are X-ray vision, laser blast, disrupting electrical equipment, and hang gliding. I'm sure there are a few more in there as well. Yeah, we've pretty much uh, determined that Spectrum is the ultimate ultimate when it comes to the masks. Number nine, and finally, some stuff gets used way too often in the show at the expense of others. Anyone who's seen the show can tell you that Bruce's mask is lifter because it's used to... Uh, used in almost every episode. But how many people know what power Alex's mask has? It's called Jackrabbit, and it allows him to fly. I think it's used twice in the entire series. Um, I think it's used... Uh, tw- we've already seen it once, and it's twice, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can think of for right now. This is getting too long to read, so I'll just end with this. Keep up the good work, and I'll be here until the end of the series. Kevin. Not me. Um, so, so, yeah, that's what you can do. You can leave us feedback by sending that email to feedback at geekcast radio. And I thought that was a great piece of feedback, a lot of insight there. Um, yeah. So hopefully he will send more or start leaving comments on the website or, you know, voicemails or whatever. So that was great. You can also leave the show's feedback in iTunes. And we did recently um, get some iTunes stuff. I will go ahead and mention that. Uh, we had iTunes review left on May 15th of 2012 by Abel five. Uh, only two stars said super critical host eats it back a notch. I'll take this one. You calm down, Mike. Um, <laughs> and I'll read it for you. It says, I don't mind critical reviews of an 80s show. I enjoyed as a kid, but I'm getting a bit tired of the profanity filled dire, uh, and whiny rants that one of the hosts of insists on doing throughout the length of the podcast. If mask is such a chore to watch, then why go through the torture and torment? Uh, the other hosts can at least find some amusement in the cartoon. He's talking about you there. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm giving up on this podcast to keep my nostalgia for the toy line intact. So let me, okay, no, 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 you don't get to talk. You don't get to talk. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Stop. I'm, I'm going to be very stop. objectionable here. Stop. Don't talk. Don't talk. No, you shut up. Damn it. Okay. First of all, God the bless one it. thing about this review that he has wrong is that he seems to think that I, or you, has said something negative about the toys. I have never, ever in my entire life... I don't life, think that's what he's saying. No, no, no. He said, I'm giving up on this podcast to keep my nostalgia for the toy line intact. Right. That he's saying he doesn't want us to ruin the show because then that will correlate into him not liking his toys as much. Well, that's his own damn fault. All right, you shut up for a second. Um, I think the the mistake here is, and he says he doesn't mind critical reviews of the eighties, um, but he clearly uh, does does because of the rest of his review. Now, I don't mind him saying that we're being a little too critical. That's fine, but I think he's misunderstanding a little bit as to why we do these things. We do do these things to be critical. Um, we are dissecting stuff we loved as a kid to see not just how well it holds up and that whole spiel, but to see how much you know, is just seeing it through the rose colored glasses and how much still we love about it. Um, So we're doing this on purpose to be critical. We do have in every episode, we talk about the high parts and the low parts. Some have more high, some have more low, but we are are supposed to be critical of this so that when you watch this episode at home, or if you have the mass box set and you're watching along with us, then you can tune in and the same stuff that you were thinking, hopefully we can hit this or that. Um, you know, obviously he's entitled to listen to whatever he wants, but this is not a chore for us to watch. It's not no. torment or torture. We enjoy, we've, I so far have enjoyed watching all these episodes, even the ones that are terrible. Um, and you know, we are an explicit podcast, so there will be cussing. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, th- I understand that he thinks we're being a little too critical, which we are being a little too critical, but we're doing that on purpose. We're not, 
that's not a mistake. Right. And the other thing for me personally is uh, I, I actually mentioned this on, on the website commenting for episode six. Uh, one of our commenters, Salem Blood, she started – she wrote a comment about – she jumped ahead of where we are. You know, that's fine. If she wants to watch ahead, that's that's all well and good. But I deleted her comment because she jumped ahead and was talking about stuff on the episode six thread that we hadn't even gotten to cover yet. Now yeah, – We don't want to spoil it for those that are kind of reliving this right, first exactly. time again. Well, here's the thing for me is that, yes, I understand, and, and I'm not one to care about spoilers that much. I'm just – I I've never been. But with Mask, it's different because, number one, I have not seen this show outside of the intro and the outro on YouTube since I was a kid. I have not seen these episodes since I was a kid. Uh, this is kind it, of like – Hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm, hold on. I'm almost done. Was it last year or yeah, it was last year that that Shout Factory finally released I'm not saying that it's Shout Factory's fault, but we finally got a US official release of the DVD set. So this is like me going back to nineteen eighty five and watching this for the first time. Right. And and this is like one of those rare things where we and we'll probably do it again, but we're literally covering decided to do this podcast and to explore this, not knowing anything about if we were really going to enjoy or not enjoy or what our opinions were going to be of the show 20 years after we've watched it. Um, you know, so it's not like, it's not a chore to watch it or anything like that because we're basically watching again for the first time. There's no torture. There's no torment. Um, it's very similar to what I did with the, um, Transformers Animated. Transformers Animated, where I'd never seen it before. That was kind of a torture for me um, <laughs> because I'm a Transformers fan and that did nothing okay. for Transformers Mythos. Anyways, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not something we can predict as to how we're going to react to each episode. Yeah. It's not like we watched this entire episode thought it, or an entire series said, this is a shitty series, now let's do a podcast where we rip on it every episode. Yeah, that's no. not the case. Um, but we still appreciate any and all feedback because we do want to know what everyone's feeling and what everyone's opinions are. So please do leave us more feedback on iTunes, preferably five-star feedback, but whatever. We will take the constructive criticism. I, again, don't really think that this should any way have an impact on your love for the toy line. Yeah, you should be able to separate the toys and the cartoons, but whatever. Exactly. He's and not listening to this do, anyway, so who cares? I love the toy line, so yeah. Um, you should follow us on Twitter. The show name there is Geekcast Radio for the whole network. Uh, what's your Twitter? TFG and Mike. And mine's Optimus Solo. Um, become a fan of us on Facebook. Mike does a great job of updating everything about Geekcast Radio Network on Facebook. You'll see all the new releases. You'll see discussions, everything. So Facebook, uh, Geekcast Radio Network, and become a fan of us there. And if you'd rather not use the site to leave your voicemail, you can always call the actual voicemail line. The number there is 502-526-5821. Give us your name and what show you're leaving the message for. And please keep those somewhat um, concise, too, if you're going to call the voicemail line. You know, we are going to include these in the in the clip, so a five-minute limit is, is good for those, too. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Mass Mayhem. And don't forget to join us on our next crusade when we're actually going to only be discussing two episodes this time, episodes 18 and episodes 19, which are Bad Vibrations and Ghost Bomb. For now, I'm Optimus Solo with... TFG and Mike. And tune in next time when we take another look at what lies behind the masquerades. Ooh, ooh, bad vibrations. <laughs> Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Convert switchblade to jet mode. 
Surprise, Matt Tracker. It's Mayhem! Battle station. Protect the decoder, Bruce. I'm going up. Stacks, ready to fire. Mask, Switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Fire! Each sold separately with action figure. Cover me, Matt. 10-4. Shadow's getting away! But you're not, Mayhem. Mask, Switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Each sold separately. New from Kenner. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 